Welcome to the Churches of Palms. My name is Jenna Clark, and I serve as a de uh, shepherding deacon in our congregation. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us bow our heads as we prepare for worship. Loving God, through your Son, you have called us to repent of our sins, to believe in the good news, and to celebrate the coming of your kingdom. Like Christ's first apostles, may we hear his call to discipleship and forsaking old ways, proclaim the gospel of new life to a broken world. Through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever, amen. Now as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
please stand for the call to worship. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good as long as you shall live. Let us worship God. knows us intimately. There is nowhere we can go that is apart from God. God surrounds our action and knows our hearts. God is well aware of each and every sin we have committed. God knows when we have willingly chosen other paths. Therefore, let us humble ourselves before him and confess our sins. God of glory, you sent Jesus among us as the light of the world to reveal your love for all people. We confess that our sin and pride hide the brightness of your light. We turn away from the poor. We ignore cries for justice. We do not strive for peace. In your mercy, cleanse us of our sin and baptize us once again with your spirit that forgiven and renewed, we may show forth your glory, shining in the face of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Almighty God, who does freely pardon all who repent and turn to him, now fulfills in every contrite heart the promise of redeeming grace, forgiving all of our sins and cleansing us from an evil conscience that through the perfect sacrifice of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven.
Now let us repeat that very historic affirmation of faith, the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified and, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He descended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now it's time to warm ourselves up with some fellowship with one another as we share <laughs> greetings. morning. We are so glad you're with us this morning here at Church of the Palms and hope that you find this to be a welcome place. We especially welcome you if you are a first-time visitor or perhaps just recently into our family. We hope that you will find your little niche here at Church of the Palms. If you're just here for a week or two weeks or a month or eternity, <laughs> we hope that uh, you'll find us to be a family of faith with whom you can share your walk with Jesus Christ. We have lots to rejoice in and celebrate. We encourage you to fill out the friendship pads and put those, push those to your neighbor and uh, take note of those folks who are sitting near you. And we invite you to enjoy a little fellowship afterwards underneath the tree. I just got a weather report. There is gonna be a heat wave at 10 o'clock underneath the tree. <laughs> so go over there and find the heat and, uh, and a hot coffee and a chance to have some more conversation. We had uh, a great Stephen ministry retreat just uh, yesterday and uh, we rejoice in the fact that that ministry continues to grow and more and more people are serving more and more people walking alongside of them as they go through life's difficult times. So we are grateful for that. Upcoming just after our next service at 12 o'clock, we'll have our congregational meeting. We hope that you have put that on your calendar and that you'll return to be with us at uh, high noon as we talk about a wonderful year past and lots to celebrate about what God was able to do through us over the course of this past year and looking forward into the future and seeing some great things ahead of us as well. So we hope you'll join us for that election of officers and such. It is always a, a good time for us to be together noon today. We have a five o'clock class this afternoon, Life's Difficult Questions, taught by myself, and uh, we uh, are continuing to grow in number as we struggle with uh, the difficult questions of life and how do we see those through uh, the scriptures and through the lens of God. So we hope you'll join us for that discussion this evening at five o'clock. Mission Expo is coming up. This is our annual thing that we look forward to every year chance where we invite all of our mission partners to come and be with us over the course of the week. That begins on Wednesday night with dinner over in the campus center beginning at five o'clock that will go till 6.40 or 50 or so and you'll have a chance to meet some of our mission partners then. And then on Saturday morning from nine until 12, another opportunity to enjoy a meal and also to hear from even more of our mission partners. And then of course on Sunday, we'll have the big white tent out there underneath the tree and we'll have all of our mission partners there for you to meet 
So please enjoy uh, that time. Take advantage of seeing how Church of the Palms is linked into the rest of the world. We uh, really find that to be a highlight. We hope you'll be a part of that as well. Beginning next Sunday as well as a parenting workshop for, for parents, I was gonna say parents under six, but um, <laughs> that wouldn't be putting it right. Parents of children six and under are invited to come and be a part of a workshop starting at 10:15 next Sunday. And then on February the 8th, in a couple of weeks, we will have a tale of two pianos. Jonathan and Genevieve will have two Steinways up here in the middle of the chancel, uh, and it will be a wonderful, wonderful concert. If you've, ever, if you've not seen these two play together, it is really something amazing. So we are looking forward to that as well. And speaking of something amazing, we welcome George Nixon to, with us, to be with us today. It is great to have you here, George. God to wonder how you play that instrument the way you do. So it's great to have you with us this morning. We begin our stewardship season this Sunday as we make our journey to February the 15th in which we will make our stewardship commitments for the year of 2015. And uh, we begin that journey thinking about all the ways by which God has blessed us and be, has generous with us. We listen to the echoes of generosity, wondering how we might respond to what God has done for us and with us. And we invite today uh, Andrew and Ann McFall and their three boys are gonna come up and share with us a little about their own journey with us here at Church of the Palms. Come on up, gang. Good morning. Thanks, Steve. Uh, my name is Andrew McFall, and this is my wife, Ann, and our three boys, Cal, Matthew, and Stuart. And we've been members of Church of the Palms since 2009, and we've been blessed by many opportunities to serve and grow in our faith. Um, Ann leads Mary's Circle, has been on the nominating committee, and also helps uh, with Vacation Bible School. And together, we also teach fourth and fifth grade Sunday school. And in her spare time, after raising all the boys and everything else, she works part-time and also as president of the Lakeview PTO, which is the elementary school local, locally. Um, I've been honored to serve as an elder for the past three years and help lead the men's ministry and also support the family ministry. And speaking of family, you've probably seen our kids around. In fact, if you've eaten a pancake here in the last three years, it's likely been prepared or flipped by Stuart there on the end. <laughs> Um, but many of you are raising a family, or you have in the past, and you can quickly remember some of the great times in this phase of life. <clears throat> We're right in the thick of it, as they say. We have three boys in three different schools, playing three different sports throughout the year. So life can get a bit crazy, as you know, and if we're not careful, our schedule can really take control of our lives. But I was fortunate to grow up in a strong Christian family, my parents instilled the importance of faith and family in us. And we prayed together, went to church together, we served in different ministries together. I also, I'm also so grateful now for how they helped me grow in my faith. I accepted Christ as a 12-year-old at a weekend retreat. And I've also attended Promise Keepers, several of those events, and that really helped challenge me to grow and be bold in my faith. I grew up in Cincinnati, and my family did not go to church. I became a Christian through Young Life, and it was an amazing network of Christian friends that helped my faith grow through high school. And I was excited to hear that our church is now supporting Young Life in Nicaragua. As a mom, I'm a planner, and at times I'd like to know how all the pieces are going to work out. But only God knows how plans will work out. Jeremiah 29:11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. As we think of the future, you never fully know the impact you may have on a child or a family. For now, we just focus on what Lori Hawes calls a sticky faith, people in our church taking a special interest to let kids know that they are loved and supported and to share Christ's love. The best part is it's multi-generational and genuine. It's hearing a life-changing message from a role model like Ben Zobrist, an incredible man, father, and professional baseball player living out his faith every day. Ben's message from right here was repeated over and over at the Little League fields later that day. It's Brian Haas, 
mentoring Cal during his confirmation training and working together with Stuart to serve popcorn on the Day of Hope. It's Glenn Armitage sharing a special World Series baseball bat selflessly with Matthew. It's Miss Nancy, Kathy, and the Palms men team working in the kitchen, investing in Stuart's life to help him develop a passion for serving other people. It's Lori Haas, Jeff McCauley, and the family ministry team sharing God's word and investing tirelessly into the lives of our kids throughout the week. It's Pastor Steve. He has an amazing ability to personally connect with everyone, from a nine-year-old boy about his sports to a 95-year-old recovering from an illness. We're blessed at Church of the Palms to have an amazing staff that cares so much and is focused on equipping families to be disciples for the service of Christ. Um, we grow as, as a family as we serve together, from ringing the bell at Christmas to help those in need, teaching Sunday school, serving at Vacation Bible School in those wonderful neon green shirts, and living out our faith everywhere, including the sports field. And I'd like to close with a quick sports story. I really enjoy coaching kids' sports. It's an opportunity to invest in the lives of kids. The reality is I learn as much or more from them as they might learn from me. And one of my favorite moments in this was coaching a soccer team called the Mighty Highlighters, aptly named because of their neon yellow jerseys you could see from a mile away. I believe we won a few games, not because of our skill, but because we blinded the competition. <laughs> but this story involves a boy named Cornelius. Uh, Cornelius was an eight-year-old and relatively quiet. Midway through the season, we had an amazing experience that I will never forget. The team was losing big at halftime, and clearly our neon jerseys weren't working very well that day. But as the team huddled, I started to pep the boys up, and Cornelius said, Coach, wait a minute. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. I said, Cornelius, say that again. This may not sound like a big deal, but these were eight-year-old boys. Philippians 4.13 became our rallying cry for the second half. I honestly can't remember the final score, but I can remember the amazing ministry moment on the field with those boys. And now for the rest of the story, I reconnected with Cornelius here on our campus years later at, days of, at Day of Hope. In conclusion, raising a family is exciting, but not always easy. But our faith in God guides us and encourages us each step of the way. We also try to keep it simple, saying a prayer at dinner, prayers as a couple, and a prayer with each boy at night before bed. We're blessed to be a part of the Church of the Palms family and to serve an awesome God. And we wanna thank each of you for your continued love and support. Together we can all grow in our faith as we invest in the lives of the next generation. Thank you, and may God continue to bless our church family here at Church of the Palms.
let us pray. Most gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for all of your gifts of grace to us. We praise you for all the ways you guide and sustain and redeem our lives. We thank you for those who have led us and taught us in faith. We thank you for the Church of the Palms in which we give glory to your name and through which we grow as equipped disciples for the service of Christ. Be with those who are in particular need for your presence and help this day, we pray. We pray for those who are caught in war, in places of oppression and poverty, and in situations of disease and isolation. Bless the work and lives of missionaries near and far, and bless and protect those who serve the cause of peace in our military. Gracious God, we lift up those who are not well this day, and we pray and ask for your healing for them. We remember those who mourn, those who are lonely, afraid, and hungry. Give them each and every one your loving care, we pray. We bring our prayers to you in the name of our Lord Jesus, who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now we continue to worship God in the giving of our offerings and tithings.
Loving God, we know that all good gifts and perfect gifts we receive come from you. At this moment in worship, we bring our gift of gratitude back to you. We offer them to you in the name of Jesus so that they may be used for your glory and to serve your children near and far. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated when Carol and our children come forward for children's moment. of you. Good morning, everybody. How's it going? Hey, Ryan. <laughs> so, what did I have here? What is this? Salt, yeah. And what do we use salt for? Yeah, Sam. Ice cream making, very good. We use rock salt for that. That's pretty purposeful. <laughs> yeah, we use, we use salt every day to flavor things, to, to, to make our food taste better, don't we? Yeah, and, um, but we use salt um, with everyday things that we wouldn't even, we wouldn't even think of, like <laughs> making ice cream, one. Um, like my shirt that I have on, okay? How do you think we use salt for my shirt? Salt is used in the fabric dyes to set the dyes so that the colors don't run. Yeah, so they don't fade away. And salt is used to tan the leather that we use in our shoes, our boots, our belts, sofas, things we use like that every day. Salt's even used to make plastic, and most of our toys are made out of plastic. Did you know that one day salt was so important that when it, it was used to pay people, just kind of like money, yeah, well, in our scripture lesson today, Jesus starts his Sermon on the Mount, and right after the Beatitudes, he tells his people two things. He says, you are the salt of the earth, and he says, you are the light of the world. Hmm, what do you think he calls us salt? I don't know, yeah. Well, we know that salt is a spice, and it gives things flavor. And we know that salt is useful, and like my shirt, it makes things more, made my shirt more colorful and interesting. Salt is, um, salt is useful, and it's good. Yeah. Um, well, since salt is so important in our everyday life, isn't it any wonder that Jesus tells us that we should be like salt to the earth? Yeah, what do you think? I think he wants us to be like salt, to flavor things, to, to flavor the world, to make the world a better place. What do you think? What do you think? Can you guys allow Jesus to use you to be salt to the world? What do you think? I think that's what he's saying. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, help us to flavor our world with love and to allow you to use us to make the world a better place. Amen. <clears throat>
You may be seated. Actually, George Nixon will be here tomorrow morning uh, as we host again the Sarasota Institute of Lifelong Learning here in the sanctuary. George will be playing for them, so you'll get another chance if you want to come and join that event tomorrow morning. Our scripture lesson today is from Matthew chapter 5. We heard a little bit of it just a minute ago from Carol. We are at the beginning of this great collection of Jesus' teaching called the Sermon on the Mount, verses five, chapters 5, 6, and 7 in the Gospel of Matthew. As we continue in our journey of the story of God, Jesus begins his great ministry with this great teaching. So hear the word of God as it comes to us from Matthew 5, verses 1 through 20. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he began to speak, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. And for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, O Lord, we pray that you will Help us to hear again these familiar words, and not just hear them, but allow them to seep into our souls, that we may discover more of what you wish us to be, and that we may live as you wish us to live. We ask it in Christ's name, amen. Perhaps over the last few weeks, weeks, you took some interest, or at least were aware, of a couple of rock climbers, mountain climbers, Tommy Caldwell and Kevin Jurgensen, who set out back on December 27th to be the first to attempt to free climb the straight vertical ascent of the Dawn Wall of El Capitan Mountain in Yosemite National Park. No one had ever been able with bare hands and no benefit of pull ropes to make it all the way to the top, ever. The ascent took 19 days, 19 days, which meant that they had to sleep on the sheer cliff of this mountain, which meant they had to hang tents 
on the side of the mountain and sleep suspended in midair. It, many, it meant many failed pitches from one point of the cliff to another, it, which meant many slams of their bodies against the stone wall, which meant bruises and abrasions and cuts and discouragement. But after seven years of preparing and 19 days of climbing, they stepped foot on the summit and accomplished what many describe to be the greatest ascent ever in the history of human ascending. To view this rock face, it seems incomprehensible that any human being could come ever close to that, not to mention to actually get to the top. But they did, and they did because they tried. They took the first step. Sometimes it's the first step that's the hardest step. I'm guessing that you and I have in each of our lives a few El Capitans. I'm guessing that you and I over the course of our days look ahead and have looked ahead to some difficult or impossible journey, some insurmountable summit, some massive endeavor, and have wondered to ourselves not only whether it was possible, but whether it was even worth trying. Maybe it was some sort of physical challenge, you know, running a marathon or climbing Kilimanjaro or swimming a mile or hiking the Appalachian Trail. Such feats are probably the dream of, of just a few of us. But for the rest of us, I suspect the difficult journeys have a lot to do with what is going on in the inside. Journeys of the mind and journeys of the heart. I ran into a 70-year-old man a while back who wondered to himself whether at that age if he could learn to speak French. He wasn't even very good at languages, but maybe he could teach himself French. It's quite a climb. Some wonder about starting a business, some dream about writing a book, some imagine trying to make some difference in the world, feeding the hungry, or putting a dent in human trafficking, or teaching the disadvantaged, or challenging the spiral of poverty in a country like Honduras. Quite a climb. Some look into their personal world and see some Al Capitans, relationships that need scaling, hurts that need healing, sins that need forgiving. And the climb seems very steep, nearly impossible, and standing at the base makes you wonder if it's even worth taking the first step. Whatever it might be, each of us harbors some sort of yearning to scale some sort of height. Now, when it comes to these El Capitans of our life, our resistance overtaking that first step has often to do just as much with us as it does with the scale of the climb. Because I'm guessing there's a part of all of us that's been convinced along the way of all those things we cannot do. That the further you get along in life, the more loudly that voice gets in the back of your head that insists that you are just not capable of taking on this climb. Too steep, too difficult, too comprehensive, too expensive, too complicated, too dangerous, too much for this little brain of mine. Whatever it might be, and because we can't imagine tackling all of it, we never even attempt the start of it. Was that line from Eleanor Roosevelt, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent? Charles Schultz, the creator of the comic strip Peanuts, when reflecting on the genesis of Charlie Brown, often referred back to his childhood and his sense that his parents never believed in him, and he gathered that his parents never believed in him because his parents never believed in themselves. Thinking about his mother, Schultz once said, she didn't even go to PTA meetings because she didn't feel she was sophisticated enough to mingle with those other parents, maybe because she had only made it through the third grade and she felt that she didn't even have the right type of clothes. It would have been wonderful, Schultz continues, if someone could have explained to my mother that she never had to feel inadequate. No surprise that Peanuts carried for 50 years the theme of inadequacy, Charlie Brown and his inadequacy, and no surprise that it was America's most read comic strip because we all have that level of inadequacy in our lives. And maybe more than anywhere else in our lives, our sense of inadequacy reaches its highest level when it comes to our relationship with God. 
when it comes to this journey of the Spirit, when it comes to the life of being a disciple, pews in every church, I imagine, are filled with people who look at the spiritual journey and wonder if the climb is too steep, if the trail is too long, the, 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 the ascent too dangerous. And in thinking of all those things that God might desire for us, we consider that the mountain is too steep and it's not worth the first step. Nowhere might we feel this greater than in the three chapters of the Sermon on the Mount that we find in Matthews 5, 6, and 7. The Sermon on the Mount found only in Matthew is this 110 verse collection of Jesus' teaching that to read it, to read these words from Jesus, we see the Al Capitan of the discipleship life. Verse after verse, Jesus presents to us the height, the depth, the width of the spiritual journey, the, the pinnacle of the spiritual climb, the high bar of following Jesus, so high that once you read through the Sermon on the Mount, one of your first feelings is that this mountain, oh boy, this mountain is way too high. Pick just a few verses. If you, Jesus says, if you say you fool to your brother or sister, you'll be liable to the hell of fire. If you look at a woman with lust, you have committed adultery. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Love your enemy. Do not judge. Do not store up treasures on earth. Don't be worried about tomorrow. Makes Al Capitan look like a walk in the park. And what we might want to say to ourselves is, why even start? What's the point? I can't be all those things. I can't become this person that Jesus wants me to be. Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect, Jesus later says. Not going to happen, so why even try? And maybe that's the reason when Jesus begins his Sermon on the Mount, this Al Capitan of the spiritual life, he begins with these introductory verses about the blessed life the blessed life, we call them the Beatitudes. The Beati these 12 verses of the Sermon on the Mount where we discover about the blessed life. And what we discover about the blessed life is that it has very little to do with whether we get to the top. And it has everything to do with whether we have started. The blessed life is about the journey of becoming children of God. Blessed are you if you start the climb, Jesus says. Blessed are you, for when you start climbing, you start becoming. And if you start becoming, here are the kinds of things that might happen. You might find along the way that you lack in spirit, but blessed are you because the climb is full of grace. You might find as you begin the climb yourself grieving and mourning, but blessed are you because the climb gets your heart breaking for the world. You might hunger and thirst for righteousness, but blessed are you for the climb gets you hungering and thirsting for the right kinds of things. You might have to be merciful, but blessed are you because the climb of mercy will show you how much mercy you need for yourself. You might bring peace to a frayed and tearing world, but blessed are you because the climb of peacemaking brings a little peace to yourself because you see it all comes through the climb all that comes when we when we stop standing and staring and we begin to ascend the cliff costly grace is what Bonhoeffer called it which is to say that if we would ever hope for this blessed life that God would promise us it comes not just in accepting the grace of Christ saying yes to Jesus forgiveness but in saying yes also to his climb the setting out, Jesus invites us into the ascent with all of its slips and falls and pitches and, and hanging in midair and bumps and bruises and scratches, but all of that comes with the blessed life because it's not about the top, it's about the climb. Tommy Caldwell, one of those El Capitan climbers, put it this way, he said, I came to the point a few years ago where I figured it was worth it whether we made it or not. I just love the way it made me live. So I decided to push forward as long as it kept making me feel that way. Actually doing it was just the icing on the cake. It was worth it whether we made it or not. I just love the way it made me live. A, a wonderful couple I know whom I married just 20 years ago. <clears throat> decided a few years back that they weren't getting any younger, they were around 40, that feels pretty young to me. <laughs> and then on top of their bucket list was this idea of bicycling together 
around the globe. So they decided they were going to do it. And for several years, they went through the arduous process of preparing to do this, which meant saving money and selling their house and buying equipment and mapping the course, et cetera, et cetera. And then finally came the day last April when they put foot to pedal. And they started. And they set out. And they began from the state of Washington, crossed North America, took a ship across the ocean, and they have gotten as far as Africa in those nine months. Africa? And within those months and those miles came incredible stories of peril and adventure and life-transforming experiences and brand new relationships. A couple of weeks ago, a family issue arose, which meant they had to store their bikes, pack up their stuff, come home. They don't know how long for, they don't know whether they'll even be able to resume, but as they said it, it doesn't matter. They got to Africa, for God's sakes. And the way to get to Africa is to take the first pedal. Thomas Merton, the great 20th century ascetic who gave up the urbane life to become a Trappist monk, in his autobiography, The Seven Story Mountain, while reflecting upon his decision to take those first steps away from the old life into the new, shares this prayer that he made to God. I was not sure, Merton prays, where I was going and I could not see what I would do when I would get there. But you, O oh God, saw further and clearer than I, and you opened the seas before my ship, whose track led me across the waters to a place I never dreamed of, and which you were even then preparing to be my rescue and my shelter and my home. How far have I to go to find you in whom I have already arrived. How far I have to go to find you in whom I have already arrived. And it begins with the setting out. So what about it? What would that look like for you to take the next step into the blessed life, to make your advance upon the great and holy mountain of God, to, to read those 110 verses at least of Jesus' great sermon in these next couple weeks and just pick one thing, just one thing and say, this I will do. What might that mean for this great church if together we took that first step and at the beginning of another year to become light and salt so that we would begin to show the grace and love of Jesus Christ? And I mean begin the climb, ascending, living into the costly grace, putting hand to stone and pulling upward, living into the blessed life, feeling the dangerous thrill of taking some kind of chance. Rearranging your schedule, redoing your comfortable budget, expanding your sleepy mind, putting to work your slow-beating heart, hungering, thirsting, peacemaking, mourning, giving mercy. Oh, my Lord, there's no telling what can happen if we put foot to pedal, if we look upward and take a first step. Scary course, uncertain, yes. Blessed, Jesus says yes. Stephen Ambrose, in his great book on Meriwether Lewis and the Lewis and Clark expedition, quotes from Lewis's journal as he started into what he knew was going to be the most dangerous and uncertain journey of his life. And Meriwether Lewis writes in his journal, we are now about to penetrate a country at least 2,000 miles wide in width on which the foot of civilized man has never trodden. The good or evil it has in store for us is for us an experiment yet to be determined. I can esteem this moment of my departure as the most happy in my life. Blessed are those who take the first step.
Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen.